Um, so good to get to interact with you guys. Uh, Ike, thank you for joining us. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he's going to be a mainstay on the show. I think that'd be, uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's see here. Uh, let's see what we got. Uh, we've got an LDN question. Uh, I've been taking LDN for five plus years for chronic fibromyalgia pain, which has been a much better experience than Cymbalta. However, I feel like I've plateaued. Can this happen? And I've got a follow-up question uh, once you answer that. Yeah, uh, you know, I love LDN. And um, saw a patient last week that just had tremendous results uh, from LDN, both on mood and pain. Um, it's a patient that had suffered from cancer and also had, I think, had fibromyalgia and um, a lot of depressive symptomatology. It just changed her way for the better. So, yeah, I mean, you can develop a tolerance uh, for anything. So I don't know what dose you're on. You know, usually we start out at one milligram per week, then go to three. Then, and then if you're fine, we stay at three. If, if you're not, we'll go four and a half. We even work our way up to eight milligrams. I usually don't go over eight milligrams, but um, uh, and there is a, there's a follow-up. Okay, current dose, 4.5. Um, you know, I would definitely, if you're going to go off of it, I would probably taper it. Um, you're not going to have any physiological problems just going straight off of it. But I think from a mood, you know, channel, you should probably just taper off or you can, you know, increase the dose a little bit. You can go ahead and go up to six and see if that helps you a little bit. Um, but it's never bad to take, um, a little drug holiday from anything, even a, uh, a vitamin, you know, I usually take my vitamins six days a week. You may should just take this six days a week, um, just to make sure you don't become tolerant to it because that can happen with anything. But, um, so I would do that maybe six days a week, bump it up to six milligrams and, and see how you do. If you've been on it that long, it's obviously helped you, um, but you can get tolerant. Um, and, and look into, you know, what else may be going on with you. Um, so there could be some other things you could do for it. Um, great question, though. Great All right. Question. Thank you for thank you for that um, question there. Um, I'm going to get to, let's see this next one here, if I can find it. Um, this is a, a question I know a lot of, a lot of our audience is, is dealing with, you know, parents with um, dementia. Um, so this, is, I, I think, is going to apply to a few people out there. Uh, my grandmother is 91 and has dementia, stage 4 renal failure, and is being treated for pancreatitis at the moment in the hospital. The question is, she is losing weight and refuses to eat. Doctors have said when she goes home and still refuses to eat, we would need to look into hospice. And then the, here's the question right here. Do you have any suggestions as to what we could do to replace the same thing as food? She takes pills. Great. It's just food she refuses to eat. You know, that's a really tough decision that most families are going to have to take at one point or the other. But, um, you know, she has a lot of problems and, you know, is, is at the end of her life and you have to respect somebody's wishes. Now, she has dementia, so you may say she doesn't know what she's thinking or doing. Um, you know, I, I ran into that with one of my parents and 
just didn't, uh, you don't want to force food on them. You know, sometimes you can put um, these patients on uh, medical marijuana. Um, you know, it's, it, they put my mom on it who had dementia, uh, Marinol, because she had no appetite and it was kind of wasting away. It helped a little bit. Um, but, you know, when you have pancreatitis as well, you're not going to be hungry anyway. Um, so, you know, you certainly don't want to put a feeding tube um, in her. Um, that would, me, to me, be just terrible to have to do um, with, with the shape she's in. Um, you can get some through drinking. You know, you can drink uh, some kind of uh, shakes and all that may... Uh, provide some protein and all, but um, it's just a tough situation. Um, but the family needs to come together and decide what you what you want to do. I do like hospice a lot. Uh, those are just great organizations, and especially if they're in a lot of pain, I'm all for using anything you can to keep them out of pain and getting getting them to rest and making some decisions on end-of-life care so certainly talk to the hospice people they're great and they may have some other ideas about um, parental nutrition you know just by drinking uh, electrolytes just to make sure that um, those are smooth and all and they don't get too dehydrated I don't worry too much if they don't eat at that stage they need to drink at least water though but that's a toughie I feel for you and you know uh, there's things worse than death, and, you know, I haven't seen it many times as a physician. Um, sometimes it's just the right time to start letting go. But make some decisions and don't prolong things. That's just terrible, in my opinion. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't want it for me or my family. My parents didn't. We made decisions way ahead of time. My dad was a physician, and he wanted to make sure that we did not give him any antibiotics, any IV fluids, um, any anything. I mean, certainly not a feeding tube or anything else. And we respected his wishes. And, you know, um, it's still hard. No matter what you do, it's still hard. Yeah. But just get the family together, talk, and don't push things and and, and realize that there, there's an end of life. And you just want to keep it dignified and and in as least pain and discomfort as you can, uh, as you can in, make them endure. And, and also think about when, when the respiratory rates get bad and, you know, which happens, it seems like all the time, you know, use of morphine is a really good thing. Uh, thank you for that question. And thank you for that answer, doc. Um, you know, I, I remember, man, that time that was, uh, it's just, not a not a fun time so our, our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family uh and just with those decisions are super tough um all right so we're going to go to the other end of the spectrum here um and this is uh, about a a, a younger a, i have a three-year-old who still gets up at night and looking at sleep supplements for her to stay asleep and uh, this is kind of the gist of the question. Uh, there has been some recent news about children overdosing on melatonin, or should I look into something like magnesium? And just to clarify, I know you aren't a pediatrician, but any suggestions for a toddler sleep aid would be great. Uh, they prefer a natural supplement. 
Uh, thank you. Thank you for this question. Uh, any thoughts on this? That's a great question. Yeah, I don't usually, again, I'm, you're right, I'm not a pediatrician. I don't treat kids that young anymore. Um, but I'm not against, uh, you know, a couple drops of Benadryl. I know that's not technically a natural supplement, but, um, you know, it's really mild and, and may help a little bit. I just don't, you know, kids should be, be producing a lot of melatonin on their own. And I'm just really hesitant about using that in somebody that, this young. You know, we may want to direct this to somebody like John Mark, who is a, one of our friends and mm -hmm. is a newly minted pediatrician. He's fantastic. And uh, his wife's also a pediatrician. So I'll ask him, you know, maybe we'll get, get you an answer for that. Because I hate to tell you, you know, something. He probably knows something that will be a lot better than this. But um, I, and magnesium, I just don't think I'd give magnesium either because it tends to upset the bowels a little bit in young kids. And I'm just not sure I would do that as well. But um, maybe a drop or two of Benadryl may help just a little bit. And, uh, I know with um, – you know, age three, sometimes the threes are worse than the twos. I, I thought, you know, I know Andy had the terrible threes. You know, Ben, you didn't have any problems when you were a kid. So you just sailed right through it. Of course, you got all the attention because you were the oldest. But, um, and um, then when Kelly arrived, you really threw a fit. You hid in the bushes for about six hours. Didn't want to realize that you had a sibling. But, I, didn't, uh, I didn't understand it. I'm like, why, why would we do that? You know? I know. I know. <laughs> Um, um, I'll try to come up with, so I'll talk to, to some of my, my pediatrician friends and see if they have any other good ideas on that. Uh, and we'll reach back out to you. You know what I've heard? One of my buddies has uh, had some trouble um, getting his daughter to, uh, to sleep through the night. And they actually um, did like a, like a coaching program uh, where the, they actually had, and they went together uh, the parents and the child and they did like, it was like a sleep coach situation um, and apparently it really helped. Uh, this was down in Florida, but, um, I'll have to look more into that because, uh, he said it was just kind of like, it was common sense type stuff, but it was very, uh, very helpful. And there was like a, it was like group, uh, group stuff. So we'll, we'll stay tuned you know, on that. Fans are really kind of a natural product. You find it in a lot of like Turkey, it makes you sleepy, but I'm not sure the dose are, are really about a three-year-old taking the supplement of that, but we'll try to get some answers on that. That's a good question. I feel for you. That is you a know. great question. Uh, thank you for uh, sending that over email. Um, okay, so I'm going to get to, let's see, where am I at? Uh, all right. Um, does anyone at PM or within our fabulous Tuesday night group have a favorite app that will track macros, especially protein and other nutrients, specifically calcium, if you input your daily food? Um, they are uh, now using separate apps and spreadsheets, which is a bit of a pain. So guys in the comments, if you know, um, if you're using an app or a, a, speci a specific uh, type of spreadsheet to track uh, macro macros and nutrients, uh, put that in the comments. Uh, please. We're calling on the, uh, on the fabulous Tuesday night crew. Uh, so doc, what, what, what's your thoughts on this? I don't know if any apps are going to count both the macros and the, the calcium. 
the minerals. Uh, I don't know of one. Maybe we'll get a great answer from you, right? We got some great My Fitness Pal. Somebody's saying that. That's a great app. I didn't know it tracked calcium. But, I see um, My Fitness Pal. Uh, yeah, that's a really good app. If you got if you guys have suggestions for the for the apps or any sort of tech that helps track these uh, nutrients and macros, put in the comments, uh, and I'll, I'll put them over. I'll put them up throughout the the um, the the broadcast here. Uh, so this is Dr. Sammons. Uh, she says for child sleep, liposomal GABA with L-theanine by Quicksilver Scientific at attenuated dose based on weight. Uh, I just had an autistic child in my practice today who tested really well for this. Super cool. Thank you for that, Dr. Sammons. Hope that. Uh, hope I knew that Dr. Sammons would have an answer to that. That's a great <laughs> comment. Yeah. That's a phenomenal awesome. comment. Thank you for that. Um, okay, let's get to um, uh, where am I at? Okay, what is Doc's opinion on St. John's wort? Uh, recommended dosage, side effects. And uh, first, go over your thoughts on, on St. John's, and then we'll get to some of the follow-up questions. St. John's wort's a pretty widely used um, natural antidepressant. It comes from a flower, which I, I can't remember what the hypercurium or something Denise would know. But um, a lot of people use it and really like it. I think it's probably as effective as, as most of your SSRIs. Um, you know, they... They think it just enhances the absorption of all the neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, uh, norepinephrine. Um, but it, I, I kind of like it. <laughs> you know, the two, <clears throat> mostly for depression, the two that people talk about all the time is uh, St. John's wort and Sam E. There's been a lot more studies on St. John's wort. It's more widely used probably less side effects and interactions. Um, the dose is usually around, I think around 900 milligrams, but you can go up higher than that. You probably double it, but, and they, they usually divide it into three different doses during the day. Um, so I would probably, you know, I'd probably do 300, three times a day. Side effects, the ones I've seen is most, have mostly been uh, GI side effects like diarrhea. Um, you, and you can't take them really if you're on an SSRI or any any other prescription antidepressant. You don't want to take it. You could get something called serotonin syndrome, which is rare, but you don't want to see it happen. If it's too much serotonin, it, it causes some bad flushing and hypertension crisis and all that. But um, so it's not a bad supplement. You know, I, I certainly think it's it's probably more effective than. Uh, the Sam E, but so I really like it. It's, it's, it's safe. It's, it's, you know, as long as you're not taking those other medications with it, other antidepressants and probably avoid other things like Xanax and uh, Ativan and that type of thing as well. Um, and it, it works. It takes probably a week or two to work really. Most antidepressants, prescription antidepressants take longer than that. But so, um, about 900 milligrams side effects, GI side effects, um, so on and so forth. Is there, is there any effect on hormones or blood pressure medications? You have to watch your blood pressure, but not like you do with uh, Sam E. Uh, yeah, a lot of people, it can raise your blood pressure in certain cases. So what, just watch it. Don't stop your blood pressure medicine because of it, but 
um, certainly watch your blood pressure with that. And, but in general, it's pretty safe. All right. Is there anything else you recommend for mood and stress? I, it's a, I know it's general, uh, but if not St. John, would you go with Sam E for, for mood and stress? No, I wouldn't really go with Sam E so much. Uh, I like saffron. You know, mm -hmm. I love saffron. It also has some appetite suppressant effects if you need to lose a little weight. But um, I love saffron. I love uh, L-theanine um, a lot. Um, some people take GABA, L-tryptophan. But um, I still love saffron. That, that's, that's my number one go-to. But, you know, for more serious cases of depression, you can certainly try um, St. John's wort. Um, All right. Thank you for that question. It came in over Facebook. Um, okay, I'm finding where I'm at right now. I want to get to um, this is a, a, a longer question, but I'm going to um, read it. Um, and just to give you some context. Um, in the past few years, I started donating blood. When I started, I felt great the next day. In 2020, I started noticing no energy the next day. Then early 2021, I donated on a Friday, and I slept all weekend and into Monday. I was barely mm -hmm. able to go to work on Tuesday. Um, after that, I skipped going back. Uh, my doctor did blood work, and everything he checked me came back good. Um, this past Saturday, my community had a blood drive. I decided to try it again. I drove home and immediately was extremely tired. I slept for hours. I read where giving blood can drop your blood pressure. I'm on blood pressure meds, 100 milligrams Losartan. Uh, it normally runs in the area 130 over 80. When I checked it Saturday night, it was 110 over 65. Sunday morning, it was lower. Um, I didn't take my meds. It stayed low enough. Monday morning, still on the low side. So the question is, could this be the reason I feel so bad after donating blood uh could it be dropping yeah. dro could it be dropping too low with my blood pressure meds and should i not take them the next time i give blood yeah you may want to consider giving blood again because it makes you feel that bad you know some people need to give blood because their hematocrit's too high especially people on testosterone as you know but um you know, I'd like to know the numbers. I mean, sometimes the blood banks will keep taking it until you're, you know, can't hardly stand up for some people. Uh, so check your hematocrit. You can definitely get your hematocrit too low, and it takes a while to build your uh, red blood cells back up. So you may be donating too often. You may be donating at too low a hematocrit level. And uh, so I look at those numbers, and, and you may just have to space out the amount of times you donate and definitely can lower your blood pressure. So, I, you know, I'd probably take half your dose on the days you're going to donate and then watch your blood pressure real carefully and make sure you're hydrated. You know, if you're dehydrated, it's going to make everything worse. You're going to feel terrible. So make sure you uh, drink an electrolyte drink and make sure your hematocrit's not too low. Um, and because if it's too high, you're going to feel better when you donate. If it's too low, you're going to feel a lot worse. So you may be donating too often. Uh, they may be taking your blood when you really shouldn't be donating in the first place. Um, so look at the numbers, watch your blood pressure, hydrate. Uh, but the blood pressure medication, 100 milligrams low starting is okay? Just like that's not an issue? Yeah, if that happened, if you decide to donate again and your pressure, um, I'd probably wait till after you donate to take your blood pressure medicine, maybe that night if it's high, 
if it's still on the low side, don't take it at all. If it's intermediate, take this 50 milligram of low start. Got it. Um, uh, I, I hope that helps. Um, hope that helps that question. Thank you so much. That came in over email. Um, I'm going to get uh, to a uh, lab level question. This week, I read that to really know your magnesium level, you need to check the level in WC, not just the standard magnesium blood test. Is yeah, this correct? It's not, yeah, it's not. It's RBC magnesium. Okay. You know, RBC magnesium is the best way to check it. And that's a special test that doesn't come on, you know, routine labs. You have to request an RBC magnesium, which is definitely the standard. Um, you know, even the Cleveland doesn't check an RBC magnesium but i order if i'm worried i order an rbc magnesium uh more often than not but uh yes yeah, that's definitely it's definitely the gold standard it's a lot more expensive test and you know you, unless you ask for it you're not going to get it and and the next question was is the rbc magnesium on the cleveland and you're saying it's not no it's it's a it's a standard uh serum test it's not an rbc but i can order rbc magnesiums you just have to request it yeah all right thank you for that um this is going to be a good one uh, and we have we have dr clark in here we have we have a, a dr sammons we got people in here who might uh be able to to send us to a resource uh that could be helpful to you guys um do you have a resource that has specific times to take vitamins and supplements um I, what's your thoughts when you, when you read a question like this, and I'm sure people in the comments will, will have some places to, to send people. Um, I mean, you can, you can request your life extension magazines. They always, they talk a lot about that. You know, how you need to take your fat soluble vitamins with meals, especially a fatty meal. Some of them you can take on an empty stomach, like C and uh, the B vitamins. Uh, you need to take your uh, digest shield 30 minutes before your meals, the two meals of the day, two major meals of the day. Um, so timing magnesium you take at night, CoQ10, PQQ in the morning, um, you know, take your multivitamin with food. A lot of times people do intermittent fasting, so they don't eat breakfast. So they're not going to be taking a lot of their vitamins uh, on an empty stomach. And sometimes you just have to see how your gut tolerates things. Um, Zinc, for example, is very hard on your stomach. Uh, you need to take zinc with the, your big meal of the day. Um, so, you know, besides life extension, I'll, um, and orthomolecular, may, they have probably have some good information on timing of the vitamins. Um, and if you take EDTA, which is a chelator, you don't want to take it around when you take your, your minerals because it'll affect the absorption of your minerals like magnesium and zinc. And if you take calcium, calcium. Uh, so that's a really good question. It, it is. Um, a, it is. A, it's a very good question. Even, you know, Dr. Clark said that it, it does depend on the supplement. So it's, it's super specific. And, uh, you know, we'll try to get some more content around that, especially with the um, when you're taking a bunch of, of uh of vitamins, you know, what's okay to take with others. Um, and I'll, I'll put this up from, from Dr. Clark. You need to watch taking divalent cations. You can say you might have to pronounce divalent that. Divalent cations. Divalent cations at the same time. For instance, calcium and magnesium at the same time. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. Um, and if you, if you, if you take iron 
your iron will be better absorbed if you take vitamin C about an hour before your your iron. Uh, but again, it's it's so hard to time things. I mean, you have to. You've got a job. You work. You know, uh, people that work with me see see me taking vitamin supplements all day long. Uh, I take a lot of them with lunch um, because just for digestive issues. But great comment by Dr. Clark. Uh, thank you for that, guys. Thank you for the uh, people commenting. Um, and if you guys know of any resources, put them in there for the for the community here. Um, that's going to do it for those the question. Those di divalent cations, if you have a two up, like two plus signs, like magnesium or calcium, that's what he's talking about. I really don't like calcium supplements a whole lot, personally. I'd rather you get your calcium in your in your food. That's just my own take on that. But um, anyway. Uh, fascinating stuff um thank you for for that question there and thank you for the for the comments um okay so what we're going to do now guys we're in the latter part of the show uh we're going to take live questions uh really appreciate you guys sending in the questions uh throughout the week um and now we're going to go to the comments uh so pumped to see everybody here if you're new uh thank you for hanging out uh, and to all our regulars, just so great to see you guys every Tuesday. This makes my, makes my week. Uh, let's get to Loretta here. Hello, I'm taking a lot of life extension vitamins. I've noticed stiffness and cramping in my fingers, and someone suggested I was taking too much vitamin D. I'm taking 7,000 D3 plus the one per day. Could this be too much? It could be. That'd be rare, but you need to just take your level and see, uh, see where it is and, you know, I, of course, I like D with K. I think that makes the D absorbed a lot better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're taking a good dose of it, but you're going to have to be pretty high to, to get a lot of cramping from that. Uh, you know, a lot of times with cramping and stiffness, um, I look at magnesium levels. And, again, an RBC magnesium would be a good test for you to have. Um, you can get too much calcium and have uh, stiffness and cramping. They call it tetany. Um, it's rare, but it could it can happen. A lot of times, you know, especially if you're, you have a, a parathyroid problem, uh, those glands that regulate calcium metabolism. But uh, you, you really ought to get, um, you, you probably should get a mineral uh, blood test, you know, to check for, for minerals. Um, it's just... You know, it can be a lot of things affecting that. You may not be getting enough sodium. So you definitely need some blood work to see what's going on. My thyroid, I check your adrenals. Um, you know, come in for a Cleveland and ask specifically for that RBC magnesium level as well. And it, it gives us a good vitamin D level on there too. But uh, I just haven't had anybody complain. that I've seen some pretty high vitamin D levels that I've actually had to cut them back some. 140 area, but uh, you, you have to take a lot of vitamin D um, to get up there. Although I've seen a couple of patients that had, take no vitamin D and their levels are really high without it. They're really not, you know, going out in the sun that much either. So there must be some genetic tendency there to have that. But um, uh, go figure. But get blood work for sure and, and look at it. You need all those those levels checked. All right, let's get to, to Tanya's question here. Uh, what are the benefits of bee pollen? Uh, any info on that? 
Yeah, I love bee pollen. Uh, you know, of course, I'm big on raw, natural, local, unpasteurized honey. And uh, for the many benefits of that, go to my podcast on on that. I try to keep I try to keep local honey at all my offices at all times. For you, but yeah, if you have a lot of extreme allergies, asthma, you know, bee pollen uh, is a great uh, great thing to sprinkle on your salads or your yogurt. Uh, it, it's just a great little uh, concentrated uh, honey, really. And so, if the honey's not doing it for you. Add some bee pollen sprinkles. You can get them at most uh, farmers markets. Um, Thank you for that question, Tanya. Um, let's get to Vicky here uh, on Facebook. I'm a 58-year-old female recently diagnosed with osteopenia. The doctor is wanting to put me on prescription meds, but I want your thoughts on what supplements would be best first. Yeah, that's a great, a great question. Uh, first of all, um, I'm hesitant about... Uh, using the bisphosphonates for that, like uh, Fosamax. As a matter of fact, one of the patients I had today um, had a severe reaction to uh, Fosamax within a week uh, of starting that. And, and she and her doctor didn't figure this out for months. And she got to the point where she was almost bedridden. And it certainly can cause jaw osteonecrosis. And I just don't like Fosamax and the, and the GI problems that come with it. I think it's a terrible drug. You can even get more fractures in your femur than without it. So I'm not big on that. There are some newer things that if it's severe osteoporosis that, you know, you may want to, there are even injections and that type of thing. But um, here's my thought on it. Number one, you don't need any extra calcium supplements. Just take, you know, get enough through your green leafy vegetables. Um, vitamin D with K. You got to have vitamin K in there. Check your levels of vitamin D, but you got to have the K in there with it. Um, consider bioidentical hormone replacement. I mean, they're more effective than almost anything you can do for osteopenia. And that's not, I mean, a diagnosis of 58 year old female with osteopenia is kind of normal. You, you're going to lose bone, bone menopausal. That's one reason I'm so adamant about getting on bioidentical hormones unless you have uh, breast cancer. Um, so um, think about that. Think about magnesium um, and your multivitamin should have other things that can contribute to uh, your bones like um, boron and manganese and uh, silica, those type things, which should be in your multivitamin. Uh, you need to to do some type of resistance, uh, weight bearing exercise. Um, remember build your muscle, which builds your bone. Um, and see how that turns out and don't freak out on that diagnosis at all. Um, it's almost normal for a 58 year old female now. So think about the other stuff I've talked about and, uh, our PA in, in our Bristol office, Jill Henritsey is just amazing with osteoporosis and osteopenia. She's, she's the area's expert over any doctor I've ever talked to on, on bone loss. She's been a PA for 20 years, has worked ortho, and just that's her specialty. She specializes in treating this, and she'll, she'll tell you some other stuff that, you know, you, you might want to think about doing. Um, but those are the main things I focus on, and I would not go straight on a medicine for this. That's my own thought about it. Too many side effects. 
thank you for that, Vicky. I'm gonna put this up because I, I just noticed I missed this. Um, this is this came in during the week, and it's about a uh, an orthopedic doc recommendation. And uh, so this is probably from a, a local person. Uh, do you have any recommendations of an orthopedic doctor who is more up with the times treating the knee or prolonging knee replacement? Any quick thoughts on that? Gosh, we have so many good orthopedic doctors in this area. There's just so many that, um, gosh, I mean, you know, I hate to mention them because I'm afraid if I leave somebody out, I'll hurt their feelings. But, yeah. um, gosh, I mean, you know, I, I, most of them are longtime friends that are just, you know, I think of Dr. Riggins, Dr. France, Dr. Jenkins. I mean, those guys love knee, they love knees. And, so those those three guys come to mind right off the bat, but gosh, we've got we've got so many good orthopedic doctors in there, and, and most of the time, you know, they have physical therapists that will um, work with them. So the main thing on prolonging knee replacement surgery is to take care of your muscles surrounding the knee, and the type of exercises you need to do. Or see Ernie Dixon in our office. You know, he's he's a physical therapist. That's uh, very well trained in physical therapy and sports medicine and a bunch of other stuff. But, um, you know, strengthening those, uh, those muscles that support the knee and doing your exercises right. Ben showed me an article the other day about this guy doing uh, knee over toes exercises. It's complete anathema to what we've been taught, but uh, we may want to share that sometime, Ben. And I want to get Ernie's opinion on it as well, but, um, the, the correct way of exercising um, to build up um, all those all those muscles and, and avoiding some type of exercises like the worst machine in the gym that you'll go into those knee extension machines where you just kind of raise your right. you know the weights and those are terrible that'll wear your knee out so please avoid that um, and also I think the you know, the leg press is pretty tough on your knees, too. You just loads it up too much. Um, you know, but if you have knee problems, your hips are going to start hurting. And uh, you need the right kind of shoes. You may need orthotics. So, you know, um, see a good physical therapy, knee evaluated uh, by orthopedic surgeon. And, you know, none of the guys that I know are keen on doing surgery too early and you know you can also do some other things like prp injections which we do in our office i did one today um, to the knee which is kind of like a almost like a stem cell treatment but taken from your own blood platelet-rich plasma and there's some other uh, ingredients like rooster comb the cinevisc and some new ones that uh, you can inject in there um, that kind of stimulate cartilage growth a little bit uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff you can do to prevent having to have a knee replacement. Um, wonderful question, though. Uh, hope that helps. It seems you, you can't go wrong with there's tons of great uh, docs in the in the Tri-Cities area where where Doc lives. Um, I, I would encourage you to check out Knees Over Toes Guy. He's just Knees Over Toes Guy. It's fascinating. Uh, it's all about full range of motion. I've been fascinated with it. Um, let's get to, to Elena on LinkedIn. Uh, real quick, just 
what is LDN? Real, uh, Elena, I will point you towards our Common Sense MD. Uh, we've got two full shows on it uh, on low-dose naltrexone. If you search for LDN and performance medicine, both those videos will come up on YouTube. Uh, but, Doc, just give us the rundown uh, for what LDN is. Yeah, low-dose naltrexone is a drug that's kind of been repurposed. It's been around 50 years. Naltrexone is a medicine we use as an opiate antagonist. We give it in high doses, regular doses, like 50 to 100 milligram. We use it on opiate addicts and alcoholics. It, it really kind of takes away the pleasurable effects of, of uh, opiates and also alcohol. But they found out in really low doses, which is completely safe, um, it kind of tricks your brain into releasing its own endorphins. And we use it a lot for, for pain. We use it a lot for autoimmune diseases. It has a great anti-inflammatory effect to it. Uh, we use it for weight loss. Um, we use it for depression and anxiety. Go to the, you know, that's something you might want to explore. Um, it's, it's a wonderful kind of off the beaten path, uh, off label use of um, that drug naltrexone. Um, so go to look, go to one of my podcasts, but I think I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but, yep. um, we've had a lot of success with it. Uh, thank you for that question. Uh, Elena, I want to put this up here just cause I love Evangeline. He's listening in the car at work. That's my man right there. Uh, thank you for, for hanging out with us, uh, tonight, Evangeline. Uh, we got Evangeline's a race car driver. His work is his car. <laughs> he races around these ovals all day just takes a left-hand turn. I think that's what you do, isn't it? No, that's definitely not what he does. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, uh, we got an update from Savannah. We've been thinking about you. Thank you for uh, putting this in here. Uh, hi, y'all. Just checking in from last week. We all made it through COVID well the second time. Uh, very well. My smell and taste never changed. Still bad from the first time. Uh, suppose I need to come in and see you, Dr. Uh, so, what, so we can try some things for yeah. this fatigue. Try LDN. Speaking of LDN, I, I'm putting almost everybody that <laughs> gets to be a, a long hauler uh, on LDN. It seems to really work really well. Um, but there's a lot of stuff we can do if, if you're, you know, a long hauler, which means you have symptoms past a month of getting over COVID. So um, we see a lot of that. Uh, Savannah, gl glad you're doing well. Thank you so much for giving us the update. Uh, this is another COVID question. Um, I've suddenly started smelling smoke a couple of months ago. I have read this can happen after COVID, but I had COVID several months before I started smelling smoke. Do you think this is connected to having COVID? Also, is there anything that can help me stop smelling the smoke? Thank you. You may want to check and make sure your house is not burning down first. If that's true, then call the fire department. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's a great question people that smell some putrid smells and they can't stand eating meat because it's just feel like it's flesh it's burning and a lot of times it'll occur after you've gotten over the COVID so um, you know it, it's a lot of people have lost a lot of weight because of this um, but I would definitely try um, Try zinc, try flonase, try NAC, try increased doses of omega-3s, uh, LDN certainly, you can try that. Um, IGY, uh, which is another product that you can get through Shield Nutraceuticals. It's been amazing in its effect on the gut, especially 
COVID long haulers. Um, we've had some almost miracle cures for that from taking IGY. Um, but yeah, unless something else is pretty obvious, um, you know, maybe your kids are smoking in the back bedroom or something. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm trying to be funny here. Ben never thinks I'm funny. Neither does Katie, but, you know, you have to bring some light to it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it certainly could be COVID. Um, but if you have any other associated symptoms, sometimes, you know, if you can't explain anything else, believe it or not, I, I've occasionally ordered MRIs of the brain for, for things like weird smells or taste is off. Obviously, COVID does a lot of that. But just to make sure there's not some kind of weird uh pituitary thing going on um but uh, i know i'll make light of it but uh it can be a serious thing it really can uh thank you for for that question anita um let's get to uh, barbara's question on facebook uh what's your thoughts on a woman's testosterone over 200 it doesn't bother me you know there's really no normal testosterone level for women you see the the levels in the lab they mean nothing really so I really go by symptoms. You could certainly get too much testosterone as a woman and, you know, have side effects like acne, hair growth, that type of thing. Um, maybe being too aggressive, but, um, you know, so it doesn't bother me a whole lot unless you're having symptoms and then you may want to take the dose down just a little bit. Um, but most women I see like it, you know, over a hundred, but when you start to get up to 200, 300, that's, that may be pushing it just a little bit. But uh, I see a lot of that. And some women are just more sensitive to it than others. And if you have a side effect from it, um, like too much hair growth in places you don't want hair and hair loss on top of your head, you know, you, you probably want to, uh, I would probably check a DHT level, dihydrotestosterone. And if you had side effects, and maybe we can, bring it down with medicines like spironolactone. Uh, but we may want to cut, if you feel uncomfortable at that level, we may want to cut it down a little bit. Um, good um, question. Great question there, Barbara. Thank you so much. Uh, Katie's saying you're not funny, man. Not funny. See, that's two people. Do you, you don't think I'm funny and Katie doesn't. Well, so. and, and Rachel said that's a dad joke. It's just a classic dad yeah. joke. And well, I am a dad. So. <laughs> Especially with with Ike in the in the house now, you know. I know, I know. Uh, okay, let's get back these to young people. They just don't understand humor these days. <laughs> um, all right, where are we at? Sorry about that, guys. I lost uh, lost track here. Um, okay, uh, Bianca's asking uh, anything you can do for an eye twitch. Never had one until this week. Um, I, for one, always um, it, when I'm stressed is when I'll get an eye twitch. Almost every time. I get them. I get them infrequently, but when I do, it twitches for about three days. It's usually after I've been reading a lot, really focusing on reading and computer and all that. But um, I'll tell you what, I don't know. The one thing that you could do is consider putting Botox in the corner uh, of the eyelid. Sometimes I'll do that for people. Um, as a matter of fact, that's, that's how they discovered Botox. Um, you know, it was a Canadian ophthalmologist and trying to get rid of a tick in one of her patients. So thought, well, botulism is toxic to nerves. So 
got some botulism and formulated it and put it in the corner of this guy's eye and his twitch went away. And therefore, and also they noticed that the wrinkles were gone too. So that's how Botox was born. And uh, that Canadian ophthalmologist probably doesn't have to practice uh, with uh, ophthalmology anymore, I wouldn't think. Um, that's one of those things. But So you can try that, get plenty of rest if you're stressed out or too much reading. He's getting hyper here. He's a cool dog. I was just handed him. He's cute, so nobody likes to look at him. Okay. I hope that helps, Bianca. But it'll go away eventually. It will. Sure. And potassium, too. Uh, take some sort of potassium has helped me uh, may, as well. may help. Magnesium at night, uh, for sure, if you're not taking that. Um, so Tracy's asking, what would be a reason why I can't tolerate any form of a magnesium supplement? I've tried several at lower doses and continue to have intolerable side effects. I've seen a very few patients like that. It usually causes GI upset. I mean, you may have a little irritable bowel or whatever, be very sensitive to some of those. Um, you know, one thing I would probably do is treat your irritable bowel if you have gut problems, get on some digest shield for sure. Um, and see how you do with that, straighten your gut out. And then take really low doses. There's one that is in a liquid form that comes in drops. Um, I know Katie can probably put the name of that one up because we've ordered it. And um, that, that seems to be pretty well tolerated as well. If Katie's watching this, she can put the name of that one that we order. And that you can really go low on that. And you might want to check a level uh, just to see what your um, RBC magnesium level is, since we're talking about RBC magnesiums tonight. Um, and and some, for some reason, you may have a, a higher dose or level, natural level than other people. Just like some people have a really high vitamin D level without taking any supplements on that. Um, but uh, we'll get you the name of this, this uh, stuff and where you can order it from. And you may try just a couple drops. And again, you may not need it. I mean, you know, especially if it, it gives you loose stools. That's the main side effect you see from that. Uh, yeah, interesting. Thank you for that question, Tracy. Um, I'm going to get to, let's see, where am I at? Um, uh, where, let's get to... Nicole's question, how can we get a prescription for Zedra? Uh, You're talking about the, uh, the is that the way it's spelled? It's um, for um, presbyopia. That's the thing I use in my eyes. I think that's what you're talking oh, about. Oh, uh, for, uh, what's it called? Um, vitru. Oh, vi uh, yeah, is that? Yeah. Vi uh, golly, we, we just did a podcast on it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't have my virtue. bottle with um, no, it's not virtue. Um, no, I'm embarrassed. Viewity. It's viewity. Viewity. Is that what you mean? Um, you can type that in. Uh, Nicole, get back to us there if that's what you're... Yes, she's talking about viewity. Yep. I thought I thought you were. Um, yeah, just call my office. Call some in for you. You know, hopefully you don't have any... Unless you have some eye problems uh, like uh, um, glaucoma, which we also use polycarpine, which that's what it is. For that, but you wouldn't want to interfere with any other glaucoma treatments. Um, but yeah, I found it to be great for me. I I pop a little bit, one drop in, in each eye in the morning, uh, 
and I don't have to use my reading glasses when I'm in there with my patients, going over small print with Cleveland and that type. Because your focus is better, but it cuts out a lot of the surrounding light, so the room is a little dimmer. And it really doesn't last. It lasts about six, seven hours for me. So at four o'clock, I'm still working. Sometimes my reading glasses on. Uh, You're breaking up just a tad there, Doc. Let me. Um, what I will say, um, Nicole, is check out the check out that that um, that podcast on aging eyes uh, and uh, on Viewity. Super fascinating. I'll let you clear up just a, a minute, Doc, and then we'll get to Steve's question on uh, D3. Can you hear me, Doc? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Let's, let's get a few more in, and then we'll call it a night. Uh, Steve asks, what percentage of people can't process fat-soluble vitamin D3, and can water-soluble D3 be obtained in the USA? I don't think I'm a water-soluble vitamin D3 because it's a fat-soluble vitamin, but uh, that's an interesting question. That may be one for Dr. Clark, you know, the organic chemist. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know can't process it. You know, again, um, I've had some people that didn't really work the doses up pretty high. Now, there is a vitamin D2 that's in, in oral units orally, but D2 is not the one you want. D3 is the one that gives you all the benefits. So, um, so I can't tell you percentage. Um, some people, I, I can eventually get almost anybody's vitamin D level up. It seems like that I've tried to do it. Um, but, uh, you know, again, a lot of times, People that don't have gallbladders, gut problems, leaky gut, etc., they may need digestive enzymes to help them break down the fats. Another reason to take Digest Shield, Steve. But um, good question. Um, all right, I hope that helps, Steve. I, I'm going to put in just a few more questions here, Doc. Then we'll let you go. Uh, from Anita, have you heard um, of Mark Cuban's uh, online drug company? Supposed to be only 15% over cost. Do you have any information on this? Yeah, I have seen that. You know, um, I, I haven't. He's trying to bring the, the cost of drugs down. And thank God for that. I mean, I think it's a great idea. I haven't seen it put into play yet, but um, certainly when it is, it's going to be a blockbuster. I mean, you can go to GoodRx and some of the other services that will really bring the price of medicines down because they do the shopping for you and, find out the best cash prices at every pharmacist in your area. But uh, I, yeah, I have heard, I know he's planning on doing that. You know, it seems like all these you know, mega rich guys are trying to get in and contribute to the public good some way. Um, so he's, that's just another effort. Stay tuned on that. We'll get uh, more information on that as we, as we learn more. I'm going to get to Dr. Salmon's question before we head out. Are you using any mitochondrial support products for long COVID? Um, if so, what are your favorites? Yeah, I am. I use, uh, of course, CoQ10 and PQQ. Those are the ones that, you, you know, you may have some different ones in the uh, naturopathic world that I don't know about. But, uh, yeah, those are the two that, that I use. 
certainly take myself and I think that they're wonderful the the uh, CoQ10 we're trying to clear up our the CoQ10 of course um, makes the ATP work better and the PQQ produces more a ATP um, or more mitochondria the CoQ10 makes more mitochondria work better and the PQQ generates more mitochondria therefore more makes CoQ10 work better so that's what that's what I do all right thank you for that I'm going to put in this comment from Dr. Clark here about 20% of people over 50 uh, it seems are the with the vitamin D3 question from Steve um, I Aquadex can give you water soluble D3 I'm making my lab as well super cool super that's cool that's a good answer I didn't know that uh, um, thank you for that, Dr. Clark. We'll, uh, get more info and we'll start talking about, uh, more of that, man. That's super cool. I know if anybody can do it, he can do it. Yeah. Uh, um, that's news to me. That's, that is good news. 20%. That's interesting. Um, all right, let's get to this question real quick and then we'll, we'll call it a night for Mark. Uh, what do you think the chances are that some of the symptoms of long COVID could be the results of hepatic encephalopathy? encephalopathy uh yeah that that means when your liver's failing it, it causes brain damage it's a terrible thing um you know um i don't know you know when i check everybody's labs there i haven't seen too much liver damage from covid itself at least on my testing that i've done um but i know covid can affect any organ in your body so uh, through inflammation and blood clotting. So it makes sense that it could happen. I just, you know, and, and certainly the brain fog you get, um, you know, is very common. That's one of the most, besides fatigue, um, ringing in the ears, uh, brain fog, shortness of breath, are the main ones, uh, brain fog ranks up there, but, you know, I haven't seen it blamed on the liver, but, all your toxins go through, you know, you get detoxifications through your liver. So, you know, it kind of makes sense. But um, generally, you should be able to pick up on that. That's one reason you, know, you should get infrared sauna uh, and sweat and get out in the sun. Um, maybe take things like milk thistle. I don't know if Denise has any ideas on that or not, but uh, she's certainly seen a lot of long COVID too. And, and does a lot of detox protocols on that. So I'd like to see uh, what she says about that. Interesting. Um, all right, guys, that's going to do it for today. Uh, we're going to uh, take this back up uh, Tuesday, uh, next Tuesday at 7. Uh, man, I just want to give a special thanks for Dr. Clark for being here tonight and hanging out with us. And, of course, Dr. Sammons for uh, always being in the comments. Uh, we've got Katie Gegley, our operations manager, in the comments. Uh, we've got Rachel Jackson from our Johnson City office. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Uh, we really appreciate you guys. Uh, did Katie ever give that answer on that type of magnesium? Did, I didn't see you post that up. I did not see it, Katie. Did I miss that? If she's still here, um, it was it the type of uh, what type magnesium of that uh, they come in drops that. Uh, she probably dropped out of the podcast uh, after one of my bad jokes, so, <laughs> but we'll get that. We'll get that answer to you. We, we will. Write that 
we'll put that uh, in the comments uh, that, about this certain magnesium that we're talking about here for, I think that was for Tracy. Uh, we want to get yeah. that to her. I th That's this for is, Tracy. This is what she's currently taking. Uh, oh, this is what Katie said. Okay. I personally get mine from Amazon. It's called Trace Minerals brand, low sodium, mega mag, 400 milligrams. I use it in my water all day and night. Okay. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that's the one. Got it. Got it, Katie. Sorry, I missed that. Um, that is perfect. Thank you for putting that in there. Um, Tracy, I hope you see that. Um, and we're going to call it a night. Man, Dad, thanks for the time tonight. Oh, that's fun. Thanks, man. Thanks for bringing Ike on the show. Uh, guys, if you want Ike back on the show, uh, let us know. Uh, we will we'll bring him back uh, next week uh, for an appearance. Uh, love seeing my, my man Ike in there. Uh, everybody, we really appreciate you. We love you. Uh, guys, check out all the shows that went out today. Uh, Creativity and Balance with my brother Andy on Outside the Box. Uh, we right. put up and explained this episode on Melanotan 2. And, of course, our uh, Common Sense MD episode on Healthy Habits for Summer. Uh, Doc's best tips for a healthiest summer uh, ever. Ike, love you, man. <laughs> Good night, man. <laughs> see you guys. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, we'll see you next week, Tuesday, 7 o'clock. See you then. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.